What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Welcome to episode 25 of the Urban Achiever Show. This is a show where we ask questions like, what does it all mean? Why am I here? How did this happen? And maybe, why are you kicking me out of the band again? <laughs> hey, I hope you're having a safe and enjoyable 4th of July holiday weekend. It's uh, strange times in America, that's for sure. Uh, one thing I do know is we all need a day off. A day off from all of it. So, enjoy and try not to work today. Okay, America? We can get back to being the crazy, deeply divided country we are tomorrow. Hey, the program this week is the second hour or so of my conversation with former Goaty Hook frontman Joel Bell. If you've not listened to part one, please go back and check that out. You're not going to want to miss that one. It was good times. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you once again a guy who doesn't want to be the one to approve the mix. A man whose most popular songs are covers. Somebody who knows how to get kicked out of a festival, Mr. Joel Bell. Well, miserable for some, not as miserable for you guys. Yeah, we did well, and you know we had momentum. I think it was prior to that tour in the summer of '96. I think that's when Conrad left the band after the recording of Banana Man. You know, now that we were signed, now that Sumo was doing well, and we had this record coming out, we, you know, Christian, well, everybody else wanted to, again, keep going, see where this would lead you know, take our chances. Conrad was a little bit more focused on settling down at that time. Mm -hmm. And he had a job lined up. And so that was, that was where he was. And, um, so he left then and we did that tour, the super tunes tour. Then after that, I don't know, it starts getting, (laughs) starts getting fuzzy. It all starts blurring together. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't remember when we invited Mark to join the band exactly. I, th- I think, well, okay, so when we record, I just remembered songs we didn't write. <laughs> okay, so maybe I should back up. A, co- a covers I, I should album. maybe back up to that. Yeah, so yeah. we did that covers record. So that was just as the four of us, we did that covers record. I don't remember the process by which we, we picked all these songs. I'm sure it wasn't anything, um, you know, uh, too specific. We just threw out song titles that, we thought would be interesting and everybody kind of threw something in the pile mm-hmm. and some of those it was just because we thought it was funny wait you said it w- i'm sorry to interrupt you but you said that it was just the four of us so christian was gone at this point no no, no it, was, it was myself jamie adam and christian okay uh, yeah after connor left gotcha and so we did songs we didn't write which i don't know what to think of that uh really like it was fun it was good yeah it was fun it was fun um, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm a critical person. So by, yeah. by nature, so I always look back and I'm like, well, you know, we could, yeah, I took this test yesterday at school and, and <laughs> all I could obsess about when I left the classroom was I didn't know these two questions and I skipped them and now the world is ending right. and everything. Mr. Is, Hindsight over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
second guessing all your shit <laughs> all the time i will do this for the rest of my life i'm I, as i get older I, I i become more comfortable with that well let me tell you someone who's not doesn't have a vested interest that that record was just fine it was Good. great <laughs> <laughs> as far as covers collections go uh as performed a la punk style uh you could you could do way worse. I know why. What, what's the problem? I know why. I know what the problem is. I'll tell you what the problem is. I just remembered. Oh boy. So <laughs> a couple months ago, I was. Should I apologize now or no, when you're no. done? <laughs> no, but but you'll find this hopefully as amusing as I do. So a couple months ago, I was on Spotify and I don't remember what inspired me to, to look us up, but I looked up Cody Hook and, you know, they have the five most popular songs, mm-hmm. all covers from the covers record. Are they really? That was the, that is the first, oh, the first uh-oh. most popular five, <laughs> five songs of Cody Hook sure. are from our covers record. So I, I, um, sent a message or text to Jamie and Adam and I was like, hashtag legacy, you know, <laughs> no one likes our tunes. And I think number one was like walking on sunshine. So you're just like, oh, uh, yeah, you know, but what was fun about that record? Um, I mean, there were things like when we recorded, where's my mind? That was fun for me personally, because in high school, the Pixies was one of those, those bands that I really latched onto. And it was more of a, a genuine experience when you discover a band you know i was at a friend's house and they had this record sitting on their dresser and you know doing where's my mind was a lot of fun and i liked doing the dead milkman song mm-hmm. and the uh, x song yeah was hungry wolf so you did i see red i see red yeah that was a lot of, that was a lot of fun a stavesacre so, did a hungry wolf and we did a stavesacre song on that record there you go so but it was it was a lot of fun uh recording it it was a lot of fun recording it and then it was fun because when it came out we caused tooth and nail headaches again. Sure. So the record goes into the stores. People start buying the record, and we find out that one, one lone <laughs> father, something, father, something didn't pass muster. Yeah, what he was uh, he was upset. Yeah, and uh, he proves that one person can make a difference uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah, you know, it's true. He. Uh, don't ever underestimate your influence. It's true. <laughs> or don't underestimate the power of the consumer. Yes. So he contacts the company mm. and says, you know, my son just bought this record and blah, blah, blah. And what, what he what he was upset about was... I can't wait. <laughs> so there was all the songs on the back and yeah. it li- and then it listed the original artist, of course. Mm-hmm. So he saw this band, Dead Milkman. Oh. So he starts looking at Come on. Dead Milkman <laughs> discography. Just, this just seems like a put on. No, it's like, and it's so much work. <laughs> it's really looking looking into this. So he, he looks up Dead Milkman discography, comes across one <sighs> song in particular, I think, uh, or not, I don't know what song he came across, but we can guess. There's one, um, I don't remember which record, on, record it's on. Sorry, Jamie. Sorry, Connor. Sorry, Mark. Uh, but the song has lyrics that say, um, I'm going to beat my wife. I'm going to beat her with a two by four. I'm going to like stab her with a pitchfork or something, something, something like not that. Not great. <laughs> and of course, if you take those lyrics out of context or you don't understand why they're writing the song to begin with. Sure. I think I, it's important to note at this point though, that not the song that you covered. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best part of that story? Now that would have been ballsy. Not no. even it's not even the song. <laughs> yeah, Look, what are not, you upset about? I know that they might see this other thing. You're the one pointing it out, 
know, the kid probably wouldn't even ever be aware of any of those. And stuff. how do you have this much time? Like, I don't don't you have kids' practices to go to or nope. something? Lots of time. I have stacks of those letters, by the way. Oh, man. Everything so, from, do you know what wuss means? Wuss is just code for this other thing. <laughs> anyway, let's not go there. Uh, but so he wrote this letter or contacted them. They got, you know, they didn't want to upset their customers. So. They pulled the records from the shelves completely. Sure. And Tooth and Nail had to reprint uh, all the, I don't know if he reprinted the CDs themselves or, I don't, I don't know. know what he did, but. I've, re- I've repressed, thankfully, yeah. a lot of these memories. <laughs> but everything had to be reprinted. And the compromise sure. was with the with the company, the Christian Music Bookstore Company, that we would put the artists on the inside, not the outside. Okay. And that was the That was the compromise. So. That's really We were always stupid. causing causing problems. Which is hilarious to me, because <laughs> on a scale of problematic artists and lyrics and and things like, I would think you guys would be like dead last. <laughs> I know. We got we got kicked out of Creation. You did? Yeah. For what? So we went to play Creation one summer, and we were playing on one of the side stages that usually drew like five hundred, a thousand people or so. Mm-hmm. And we drove up there. It was in Pennsylvania. We got there and we were settling in and the insiders were playing at that mm-hmm. time. So we're watching the insider set as, as we're sort of unpacking and doing this and that. And the singer decides, uh, you know, three fourths of the way through their set that he's going to, you know, preach to the kids and, and give uh, them a little something to think about. Yeah. Some food for thought. <laughs> got some God for you. Sure. And he goes on this tirade, and I, I'll kind of, I'll just jump to like right, you know, a tirade about what? Well, a tirade about modesty. Okay. But female modesty, I'm assuming. Well, modesty in general. Okay. But the way in which he did it was completely obnoxious, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, unnecessary. Sure. And uh, well, I, when I go to rock shows, I'm always looking for a good lecture on modesty. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, On my list of experiences, that's in the top of the bucket list for the old rock concert. (laughs) First, you know, I mean, a good light show is great, a great performance. Hearing the songs that I like from the records I enjoy the most, but topping the list is I like a good lecture on modesty, (laughs) the importance of modesty. Can you please teach me how to better my behavior? (laughs) Just any kind of lecture, really. I just enjoy a good lecture when I go to the, the old rock show there. So we, uh, so he, he's, he's going on and on and on. And then he comes to this point where he goes, ladies, for the sake of Christ, put some clothes on. (laughs) (laughs) And he's, and then he he doesn't want to leave, he doesn't want to leave the fellas out. So he's like, fellas, put some pants on, fellas. (laughs) (laughs) Put a parka on. No, he's like. He goes, and this this lets you know again, like what what the time period was. He goes, stop looking through the wavy lines. Oh my gosh! It's like, so I'm just I'm just uh, you know, <sighs> thinking this. What is this? What are, what are you saying? <laughs> what have I what have I found myself involved well, in here? It, it really confounded me because I'm trying to understand the good that can come out of it. Like right. I re- really am trying to understand like what good is going to come out of this moment. Right. Like what good what good are you giving to the audience? Like first of all, it's 90 degrees and no one wants to think about putting any clothes on because it's, sure. it's hot. Um He's trying to provide us with the summer of Holly Hobby dresses since he's looking for yeah. <laughs> the Amish Creation Festival. <laughs> and again, it's like it's 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 one thing to, you know, 
teach a seminar about modesty or something. I don't I don't know, but you know, have to, a Bible study, right? About it. But to to call people out that you don't even know, that you don't have any sort of accountability with, that you have no idea where they are in their life, mm-hmm. and you're shaming them, sure, that they should you know behave one way or the other. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> So, so anyway, so we've all watched this and, and I'm really, I'm really glad I wasn't there. (laughs) So although we got a really good laugh out of this, which, which we did and we, and actually (laughs) I think Mark quoted it or somebody quoted it on Facebook the other day. So then we were, we're behind stage and we are getting ready to play our set and creation had put together these prayer teams that were behind the stage and the prayer teams were made up of people from local churches mm-hmm. or semi-local churches you know volunteers who you know wanted to participate wanted to be involved and their purpose and their goal was to pray with the bands that were getting ready to go on stage and so forth so they started approaching us about prayer and i am pretty sure but i can't remember <laughs> Exactly. I'm pretty sure we all said, no "No thanks. thanks. (laughs) 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 Well, then that led to some of them, or I just remember getting the impression that they were then even more concerned with the state of our souls. souls. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we've been doing this now for a few years, so I'm, and I grew up in the church, so I'm very familiar with yeah. these feelings and what's happening. Sure. Which is why I said no thanks in the first place. Yeah. And I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I, I can pray on my own. Thanks. So then they got somehow convinced that Adam or Mark or all of us, are, that one of us or all of us wasn't saved. Mm-hmm. So then. <laughs> one or all of you. <laughs> yeah. Then that, that, you know, then that escalates. Mm-hmm. You know, their desire to like do their job mm-hmm. and and our desire to not let them do their job. So we are not connecting. We are butting heads. But then it was our turn to go play our set. So we play our set and halfway through the show, Adam comes out from behind the drum set as Adam would do often. Mm-hmm. And when he went up to the mic, you never knew what was going to happen. Yeah. But you knew that there was a good chance that it was going to be funny that it was ridiculous. Uh, po- ridiculous, possibly going to offend somebody, you know, and that was sort of like what was fun about it was you just didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> so he went up. Here to, we go. Yeah. So he went up to the microphone and I and again, maybe, he, you know, I don't know if he'll listen to this, but and maybe I'm like putting two different shows together. And, but I want to say that he got up there and, you know, was giving one sort of on a rant mm-hmm. about people needing to leave leave other people alone or something along those lines. Leave Brittany alone. <laughs> I think because of like the insider speech and then the prayer group, it was just like, you all need to relax, chill out, yeah. you know? Take it easy. So he gets to the end of his speech and again, for a fact, he jams the microphone in the monitor. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know what happens that makes a great noise that makes an amazing noise yeah. that's that makes everybody wince yeah everyone and, enjoys that a lot yeah everyone likes it <laughs> and uh, it's a lot of fun so we finished the set and what was also interesting to note about that day is we spent the rest of the day actually hanging out with fans we went to the merch tent and we just hung out all day hung out with fans through the football with fans just you know, we made the most of the day and we had a good time. Uh, I don't remember how we found out or who, who notified us, but we uh, were told that we had been kicked out of creation. 
that we were no longer invited back. I thought for sure the story was going to involve some sort of drunken raid rager that you guys were having in the back. I know, I know. Smoking pot but, and I was waiting for what the hor- horrible offense it was <laughs> that you guys uh, so I, did. No? Yeah, no. I mean, that was it. Playing frisbee with your fans. Playing frisbee with the fans and... Making yeah. the microphone feedback. So the, uh, the owner of Creation went back and forth over email with uh, our close friend Deanne. And she tried to argue with him or have a discussion uh, about how ridiculous he was being because he was making an he was making the argument to not invite us back because of things he had been told secondhand, thirdhand, mm-hmm. you know, fourthhand. Doesn't know the story. Yes. And you know, from what he was hearing was they declined prayer. They declined prayer. The sound company <laughs> they broke they that we broke sound equipment, which you know, sure. which we didn't. So. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the uh, good times. That's the fun creation Kick, <laughs> kicked out of creation story. there where you decided you no longer wanted to play this happy poppy punk stuff yeah when when we invited mark to join the band uh, part of that was with the desire to expand what we were capable of musically Mm -hmm. i was you know a decent guitar player but i wasn't a soloist i wasn't a great guitar player and and we had been doing that sort of formulaic stuff up until that point so but we all wanted to do, we wanted to, I mean, it's really simple. We wanted to be more serious and we wanted to be taken more seriously. Mm-hmm. And even if we didn't word it that way, yeah, uh, that's what, that was the underlying uh, reason. That was totally easy, right? Everybody just, everybody <laughs> just lets you be whoever you want to be and they're totally accepting <laughs> and, and uh, just let you do whatever you want. Express yourself as an artist and they all just come along and say, hey, that's awesome. You guys are really happy serious? about it. Yeah. They're into it. Mark came on and we started writing the songs and it was much more of a collaborative effort mm-hmm. than it had been in the past, which was nice. And we were trying new things. We were still maintaining an aggressive sound and still being, I don't want to say silly, but you know, we wrote a song about a car and mm-hmm. so we were still maintaining some aspect of the past. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of the other songs, which I did a lot, a lot of the lyrics for were more emotionally driven, mm-hmm. more about feelings at that time because of, you know, things in the band or things in my personal life or so forth. And yeah, and I can't, I mean, I can't uh, say enough, like Mark was, Mark was a great 
addition. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited to have him. Uh, I had first noticed him, or one of my first memories of him was years before that, was playing a show up in Pennsylvania, one of these you know shows that we did. And he was playing in a band at the time. I don't remember the name. And he was the singer and the guitar player. Mm-hmm. And they were doing a cover of, I'm pretty sure it was the Cranberries, a Cranberry song. Mm-hmm. But the way he was doing it was just, he was screaming the vocal. Yeah. It was almost like hardcore Cranberries. Like zombie they were doing maybe or something. Almost, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> So he, uh, it just always stuck out to me. I always thought he had a lot of passion. Yeah, a lot of passion, a lot to yeah. say through his his playing and his performance, and I really latched onto that. So, so he came on, and uh, we wrote all the songs. We um, partnered with this uh, engineer, Sean O'Dwyer, who kind of acted as our producer as well. Mm-hmm. We went to Memphis, and I think this, I think this was '99, spring of '99, maybe. So we went to. Again, sorry, other members. Uh, I, I don't remember the name of the studio. I remember it was Memphis. I remember we had a house. Um, but we were there for a, a month, I think, three, wow. four, three, four weeks. And I wrote, oh, I had written this big letter to Brandon prior to this because we needed a bigger budget in order to mm-hmm. have that much time. So <laughs> if I could read this letter now, I'd probably be just shaking my head at myself like, oh, you're such an idiot. <laughs> But because, you know, it was like, oh, we deserve this because blah, 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 you know. Yeah. And uh, we've earned this. Yeah. You owe us this. Well, whatever I wrote, uh, help or it didn't, it happened. We got the time. We got the studio. Recorded the record. Um, John Davis from Super Drag mm-hmm. um, came because Sean O'Dwyer had recorded him in the past. So he came and played piano and helped us with some guitar and vocals. And anyway, he. It's cool. uh, it was really fun to to spend some time with him. Plus, you know, it's like here's a guy that we have we we don't we don't know at all, mm-hmm. and we're asking him to come play and be a part of something. And you know, when you want somebody to play with you, you want them to care about what it is you're doing. You don't want them to just dial it in and then scoot. So he actually got into it, you know, um, and was you know in the moment with us, and that was a lot of fun. So we got to the end of this record, got a lot of good sounds, but then the board died or something. <laughs> the board died or oh i know of course what it, it did the yeah. board the board yeah something about the board was broken <laughs> sean freaked out sean talked to brandon and said this isn't going to work i can't mix the record here i have to do it in california blah 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 blah, blah. it gives him this laundry list of reasons so brandon just falls because uh you know sean's just kind of erratic and you know like <laughs> not afraid to just be like ah you know <laughs> So Brandon folded, but again, it goes, but <laughs> here's the, but yeah. I'm only going to fly one person out there. Oh boy. So, down to one. Yeah. So I went out there and again, Mark, you should have gone. Adam, you should have gone. <laughs> Jamie, you should have gone. One of, one of you other people should have gone. So I went out there. We, we mixed the record and you know, it comes out and there were some, like, there are some little, there are some errors on the record. There, there's some little things that could have been better that we could have mixed differently. We could have, you know, sounds that could have been tweaked a little bit differently. Mm. But I'd say overall, solid sounding record, really big sounding. And sounds that, good, that record. And that's what we wanted. Yeah. And we did, we did songs that we wanted to do. We did all this material that was important to us. So now we're trying to, to tour on this material and... That's when we toured with MXPX. I think. I mean, I want to say we toured with them a couple times. Maybe it was only the one time, but there was the one big tour, and that was that was when Two Years to Never had just been recorded. Was coming out, and we were hoping that by doing a tour like that, you know, you're hoping to attract new fans and mm-hmm. grow your audience. Sumo and Banana Man had done, you know, pretty well for the records that they were and the market they were in, and so forth. And uh, you know, 
And then, and then two years to never comes along. Yeah. And it's just like. Into the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it went down. Uh, I want to say we went from like 15 to 11 or something significant. And looking back, it makes sense. It just simply makes sense. If you have a bunch of people listening to your records and this is the sound that they're expecting and then they get something that doesn't sound like that, then. Yeah. You know, like when face to face did that slow record, everybody loved that. Way into it. <laughs> they totally did not boo them at shows and stuff or anything. I mean, so, some bands that takes, I mean, I guess that takes, uh, I mean, it takes courage, but then it also, there are other variables that come into play that have to align correctly in order for. I think if you're just like a general rock band, you're a little safer to experiment or, you know, go into electronic things or go into other, like bring in other elements or, you know, different stuff like that. But if you're in a straight ahead fat, especially if you're in a fast punk band, if you try to do anything other than that, it's, it's rare that people are going to be, yeah, Yeah. sweet. (laughs) I'm psyched, bro. Not that, that, uh, that genre not known for its uh, musical, uh, diversity (laughs) and acceptance of other openness. Yeah, especially in the era of like the fat records stuff and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's very entrenched that this is kind of what you do and this is the sound and nobody was really deviating from that. Yeah, um, it's true. And I mean, even though we tried to keep elements of things that we did before, um, you know, it was, we didn't have the same, it wasn't the same attitude as previous records. Right. So, and that, you know. The, you didn't have the funny songs is right. probably the biggest difference. Yeah. Or anything, right? And we were, and when we were playing, we only wanted to play the new songs. Right. So, and again, I understand the fans' perspective. If I'm going to a show and... I want a sumo surprise, not a... Yeah. Whatever this is. Exactly. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the surprise that I signed up for. I was looking for a lecture on modesty. What is it? What are, they got? What are these guys doing? <laughs> That's what I wanted. Yeah, it was, it was funny. I mean... When we did the MXP tour, I guess we were hoping to overcome, you know, or not overcompensate, but where we lost, we were hoping to gain. Mm-hmm. And we didn't. <laughs> that simple. Okay. And also at that time, um, you know, when we were writing the record Two Years to Never, it was called Two Years to Never because we were all getting into our mid-20s and, you know, still living at home in between tours. And it was getting more difficult to maintain a band and touring and then have to, you know, scurry for jobs every yeah. time you come home. So that was weighing on us as well. And that's why we called it two years to never kind of like, okay, two years. You had the sense that you're like, this is drawing to a close in one way or the other. I guess. Yeah. I mean, but not all of us. I mean, Adam, Adam never till the end, never wanted to stop, but the rest of us were, feeling that pressure in some form or another mm-hmm. for different reasons. Yeah. So we, after, after the MXP tour, we continued to play and do, do tours and, and the tours would kind of be hit or miss, you know, not as bad as the early days, but you know, you'd have a good town and then you'd have suck town and, you know, and then a good town. And <laughs> yeah. I remember this one show in particular, we, we showed up and uh, this promoter, you know, we, we come into the venue, it's like 3 or 4 p.m., and we come into the venue, and it's a nice venue. It's a real club, mm-hmm. and, you know, for a Christian touring musician, that was always nice, you know, mm-hmm. to not play in the church. So we walk into this club, and the promoter's like, uh, oh, so glad you're here. Uh, and, um, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be here tonight. I'm like, oh, good, good, good. You know, you know have, you been, have you been, you know, promoting the show? You know, like, 
<laughs> I've been praying about it. So yeah, that is exactly what he said. Wow. He goes, I've been praying it's, about it. It's amazing. I could just guess that that, that was that what was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> praying about it and <laughs> putting, God up, told putting me, up flyers no 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 not putting in any flyers posters maybe no <laughs> no radio spots no god told me to use my brain and i decided to keep praying <laughs> 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 uh, yeah so we you know we prayer we, in conjunction with other things right. that's all we're saying maybe, you know praying's fine maybe <laughs> just do the other stuff that yeah. your job requires on top of it exactly and also after that supertones tour we we had asked uh christian to leave the band so yeah. then it was just down to... Uh, and that was a bummer was from what I hear. Yeah, it was. It was a bummer. I almost hesitated to bring it up, but... And that's why I was saying those things earlier. Without Christian in, you know, some of those earlier times, we wouldn't have succeeded as much as we did. Mm-hmm. And it was it was not a situation that I don't think anybody wanted in the sense that, like, who wants to have to fire somebody? Mm-hmm. Who Who wants to have to let somebody go? Nobody. Like, why would you want to do that? It's not a good feeling and it's, you don't want to hurt the other person. And, um, but it really was, it was really just simply, he was missing a lot of changes on stage. That's Mm -hmm. what it boiled down to. He's missing a lot of changes. We talked to him about getting lessons and talked to him about it, um, on a couple different occasions, nothing changed. And where I, I, I'm not going to say like fault us, but where I look at like the rest of us, Maybe could have handled it a little differently. Or yeah, something. or think a little poorly on it is we were so frustrated at that time and we weren't communicating well mm-hmm. with each other and communicating the problems with him. Like we weren't, when it would come up at a show, we weren't sitting him down immediately saying, hey, you know, blah, 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 Just kind of letting it build up. It over would build time. up and then you'd say something and then it would build up again and then you say something and I, I would have liked to handle that. Yeah. Handle it differently. In hindsight, you would have maybe done things a little bit differently. Yeah. So he showed up, he showed up to uh, the practice uh, space and actually to the church elder boardroom table. And, and we, he showed up and we were just supposed to have a band meeting before practice. He had brought all these marketing materials for, you know, thinking ahead to future tours Oh man! Yeah, brutal. So we sit down, and so Mark, Jamie, and Mark, uh, Jamie, and Adam look at me uh, as if you know, okay, go ahead. And I, you know, I went on this probably spiel that was way too long, leading up to saying that we were letting him go, and he, he wasn't expecting it at all. Mm. And it was just, it was a truly uh, shitty experience. You yeah. Know? Uh, so that's that's why I almost hesitate to bring it up. Uh, but at the same time, I can look back and I can say, you know, he did a lot for the band and there were definitely ways in which he deserved more from us, mm-hmm. it, just like we deserved more from him. Like it right. was two ways, sure. you know, and, um, you know, I've thought like, oh, well, maybe we could have offered him like a business manager position and still maintain membership within the group and da 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 da, you know, but, yeah. you know, it's. That's probably not great. Yeah. <laughs> You're still getting dissed. How about you, know? you go uh, deal with the promoter while we go eat pizza? Well, yeah. I mean, the only reason I say that, the only reason I say that is because he was good at that stuff. He was good like at that stuff. Yeah. Yes. And and actually right. for us at that time, two years to never having this countdown, looking towards the future, wondering how we're going to move, you know, because we had kind of climbed the hill and mm-hmm. now we're back down. Yeah. Not completely, but we have to climb up again. Mm-hmm. And we could have used somebody that was willing to get out there because Jamie, Adam, Mark, and myself were not those people. Right. We were not the 
go getter, go self promoter, whatever yeah. person. Yeah. We didn't have our we didn't have a cheerleader. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's one Bruce thing. Bruce Fitzhugh calls that the ba- the band dad. The band dad, yeah. <laughs> He's like I was the band dad. I could see him as the band dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but that, you know, that was a tough day and we haven't stayed, you know, in touch. He was at my wedding mm-hmm. um, and that was really nice. So, but yeah, it's just one of those sadder moments in the band's history. kind of keep declining because then with uh <laughs> then with uh, um i'm sorry man because <laughs> then with with mark uh after an, another couple tours touring gets tough yeah the longer you do it not tougher in the sense of not knowing how to handle the routine but in you're seeking to to you're seeking success mm-hmm. you're looking to make more fans, make more money to live at the same time, live your dream yeah. and not compromise your, you know, whatever values you, you know, yeah. have at that moment. So, so it just, it was getting tough. And then that's when Mark left Mark. Uh, <laughs> we were simply on tour and just one day he, he goes, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> that, was <basically laughs> he just left. that was basically it. We finished the, you know, and I just, I remember that night, Ad whenever in the I think he's sharing a hotel room and we're just kind of both lying in bed and you know talking back and forth to each other <laughs> like yeah. what is happening <laughs> what are we going to do now and then we rallied we you rallied. continued as a three piece yeah. for some time yeah yeah we rallied and uh, Jamie Adam and I decided to keep going and but again we were continuing to stay on those same types of tours yeah and they weren't tours that any of us really wanted to be on but we wanted to tour so you're caught in this uh dilemma of this is what's being offered and what else can we do i don't want to i don't want to be at home you know um i want to be on the road which do i want more you know road and not great shows or home and no road and and then we did i think we did tour again with mxbx Mm. Uh, i think we opened for them for a little while and at that point you know you only have three people so i'm sure mxbx has some stories of how (laughs) three people maintain relationships you know but it's i don't know maybe a little more nuanced because 
you know, in, in bigger numbers, four or five, you kind of have your little clicks and, mm-hmm. you know, there's sort of this little, you know, mini eco. But when it comes down to three, it's just the three. <laughs> all stuck with each other. Yeah. Somebody's always the odd man out yeah. in a three person situation. <laughs> yeah. Right. If there's four, at least it's two against two. Or if there's five, it could be three against two yep. or, you know, whatever. When there's three, there's always the who's going to be the odd man out in this decision making process. Yeah. And it was, and again, facing the we're all getting older. Mm-hmm. They, this isn't getting any better or, you know, or we're staying at the same, the same level. And things were getting a little bit more passive aggressive. And it was, it was just tough. It got, it, it, it got tougher. We just, we, we weren't good at, you know, communication, just people talk about communication so often, like you got to communicate, you got to communicate, mm-hmm. but actually acting on it, actually doing it, actually communicating, actually not being passive aggressive, actually discussing what's bothering you. Mm-hmm. Like it really bothered me when you X, Y, Z. Yeah. That statement alone is, it gets avoided like the plague. Yeah. And sometimes because you, because you know somebody so so well, you kind of know how they're going to react to something. Yeah, that too. And, yeah. and it's like, I really don't want to deal with the reaction to this. So I'll, rather than say something and get that reaction, I'll just not say anything. And then as a, as a result of that, things continue to boil mm-hmm. and it's only a matter of time before, you know, they overflow. And so we, we had, we had gotten off, you know, we were in between tours. We were, I think we were maybe starting to write the, these newer songs for the EP. And I was just feeling a lot of pressure at the time from, uh, honestly, from, from my, my mother and my stepfather, mm-hmm. you know, they were looking at me like, what are you doing? Can you please get the <laughs> fuck out of my house? <laughs> and I was, I was disappointed in where we were at as a band mm-hmm. and not, knowing how we were going to climb out of this and we and the three of us were not we weren't aligned with each other at that time Mm -hmm. you mean aligned in terms of like musical direction in terms of what kind of tours you should be doing and not doing all that stuff it was more like life jamie was was very preoccupied with uh, a relationship he was in at that time Mm -hmm. i was very critical of where we were and and not very hopeful about where we were going and then i think subconsciously but not realizing it at the time was feeling this pressure from my family so you know for example i could have just said okay well i'll move out i'll make rent work somehow and i'll just keep doing what i want to do i could have done that but instead it was more like again more subconscious than conscious but oh they're disappointed in me mm-hmm. they don't think i'm living my life the way i should be i need to change that mm-hmm. now i don't realize that this is sort of like <laughs> going on in my mind you know yeah but that's what's happening and uh and then adam was was you know he was in it in it to win it yeah he was he was willing to just go down uh, or you know keep going even you know go down fighting like do whatever it takes so well at the time and i had this dream in the dream i was on this bus and then the bus stops and the doors open and adam's dad is actually there you know, telling me I should come out of the bus. And so because he was a he was a man in my life growing up that I trusted a lot. So mm-hmm. um, so I walked out of the bus and then the bus kept going and then it crashed. And I took that as, well, Cody Hook's going to crash and burn, so I better get off the bus. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible. I, wow. But that, you know, I remember telling Adam this and like, you know, as if it was. I had a dream. Guys, guys, I had a dream. Yeah. That's what you yeah, told them. Yeah. <laughs> But re- but really, it was those other things that I told you, you know, before. This sure. was just my mind trying to like uh, convince me, yeah. you know, that yeah, you better do this, you better stop, you better stop. Uh, Subconscious is very powerful. Exactly. Yeah, it's invading your dreams. It's it's too nervous. All the time. <laughs> yeah, so we got together one day and 
the three of us talked it out and I was, I, I brought it up. I said, I, I, I'm done. I don't, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And Jamie quickly piped in like, yeah, me too. Mm. I think he was, it was good that somebody else said it. He yeah. was just, ha- you know, and, uh, and then Adam did, I mean, two to one doesn't really have, you know, doesn't, doesn't really have a choice. Yeah. So, so we, we did that, made the decision. We were very kind to each other about it. It wasn't, it wasn't as if we were like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. It was, okay, we made this decision. We had debt that we were still in as a band. Mm-hmm. What do we do now? And we decided, okay, we're going to do one more tour. We're going to do a closing show at Cornerstone. And that was several months away. So also during that time, uh, in the fall of whatever, um, we recorded the EP that we released on Velvet Blue. Jeff Cloud. Yes. Jeff Velvet Blue Music. So he he was really cool and, you know, like, yeah, I'll put you out, you know. <laughs> so That was a great imitation, by the yeah. way. <laughs> He's a pretty mellow guy. That's cool, man. It's cool. I'm tall. Yeah, we can put it out, I guess. So he gave us the green light and we recorded it at a local studio with um, our friend Harry. And it was really raw sounding, but full. And the songs were even more removed from two years to never mm-hmm. or, or from the beginning, you know, the earlier stuff and from two years to never. And I remember standing in the studio as we were tracking this and I'm standing next to Adam and he airs doing playback and I'm listening to it and I look at Adam and I said, this sounds so good. So, <laughs> you know, like all this regret in my voice, yeah. you know, like why, why am I doing this? You know, Adam and Adam, I don't know if he responded, but just thinking, I don't know why you're doing this. Uh, so it was very bittersweet yeah. recording that uh, yeah. EP. And, uh, but we were so, we were so proud of it. Mm-hmm. Writing it was very, you know, it was just, it was in this small room in this practice space. Mm-hmm. Well, and we had, you know, this is where we practiced for years. Mm-hmm. So it felt really good to just be in that tight room, write these songs. Uh, Jim Claris from, who was previously in Vroom years ago. Yeah. Uh, he actually helped us polish off some of the songs uh, just because he was hanging out. And then we got to play those songs live, which was a lot of fun. And once we did the last tour and the last show, on the last tour, we just pretty much played what we wanted to play. Yeah. We would throw in a couple songs that we knew people wanted to hear from the past, but that's it. And if mm-hmm. you didn't like it, then it was just too bad. You know, this is more for more for us. Yeah. You know? uh, and... And then the Cornerstone show was great because, you know, that's kind of where we had our one of our first big moments. So here we are, you know, bringing it to an end at this this same place. And, every, you know, the crowd was really excited. Mm-hmm. and Felt like you were ending on a good note. Like yeah. Like a good, good feeling. And we were us, you know, we were, we were goofy. We were smart asses. We were, you know, pretended to be tough. And, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, I was thinking the other day. When we did my bike at that closing show, I don't know whose idea was it, but we decided to replace all the lyrics with the word blah. <laughs> and I thought, what a jerk move by us <laughs> to, to do that. But so, like, I'm so Screw glad we you, did kids. it. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was a lot of fun. It was a good way to end things. And we uh, did a reunion show, I guess, five, six years ago yeah. in Philly. And that was, you know, played with the Huntingtons. And I played better in that show than I did in most of our <laughs> shows. <laughs> I practiced so much. 
Yeah. I really I'm bummed I missed that. I really wanted to go to that. I saw some pictures of it going around online and whatever. And it was classic, you know, Christian punk rock show. It was on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Two speakers. Nice. You know, two, maybe three microphones, two monitors that you can't hear. <laughs> you know. So and of course and that was the funny thing about, you know, sound systems over the years. Whenever you played loud music, if you don't have the sound system, it's just you know, it just doesn't work. I was glad that it was the way it was at that reunion show because it was true to yeah. so many of our experiences over the years. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you miss it? I miss the camaraderie. The camaraderie. Yeah. I, that's what I miss the most. I, I miss being creative. I, I miss the writing process. For me anyway, it took it took a lot of years to learn how to write with other people mm-hmm. because I would often think, well, I just had this idea and it's the best idea ever. And then if somebody else says, <laughs> well, it's okay. It's like, no, it's the best <laughs> idea. You know, it's it's like, no, it's just a couple notes that you were playing, you know, yeah. in your bedroom about an hour ago, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so over the years, learning that process of yeah. how do we how do we or how do I let this happen in the moment? I'm, so I miss that. I miss learning that with them and, and going through that that process with them. I don't miss um, Goaty Hook. <laughs> <laughs> as an enterprise. Yeah, as an enterprise. You yeah. know, like I love the story of Goaty Hook. Yeah. It will always be a part of me. And it's so strange to be older now and look back at it and see it more as a story. In fact, looking at it that way helps me digest all those years and understand them more is looking at this. Here's the story of five, you know, young men <laughs> who venture off. Introduce a former guitar player of Goody Hook, Mr. Mark LaCasse, ladies and gentlemen.
So, um, so how's where your you, spiritual life? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, where are you at these days with with God and all that stuff? I have never stopped believing in mm-hmm. God and stopped believing in the Trinity and the foundations of Christianity. I will say though, the last couple years, it's been, it's just been a, a bit of a strange journey, I guess. You know, as you start facing greater obstacles in life and those start to weigh down more heavily, your faith is, you know, growing up, somebody would say, oh, well, your faith is being tested. Mm -hmm. And I say it like this. I say that my my belief has never changed, but my faith, well, that goes up and down and up and down and up and down. So because there's things that, you know, you just I feel like there's so much I don't know. And mm-hmm. I don't understand. And there's so many answers to things that no matter how many ways it's explained to me or how many books I read by pastors that are telling you how to interpret suffering, I still don't understand. Mm-hmm. It is still something that is difficult for me. And I think it's difficult for a lot of people to comprehend. And I am not a person that I, I'm, a, I'm a critical person. I'm uh, a person that is, you know, a little too wrapped up in his head and feels a little too tortured too often. And so when it comes to having a relationship with God, I'm thinking about trying to understand, well, just who God is. Because the God that sometimes when I'll, you know, if I'll pray or if I'll be thinking about something, I will often hear a voice that, you know, that that is not God, but I believe that it is that sounds like a taskmaster. That sounds like somebody who's just telling me all the time, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I have difficulty with. Mm -hmm. And plus, as I keep saying, there's, there, there are things that I just don't understand. I understand scripture says this and so forth, Mm -hmm. but how does that speak to the heart of this person suffering who's not a Christian. Mm -hmm. So things like that are difficult for me. And I do want to get back to being engaged in a community more. Mm -hmm. Uh, The church that we attended previously, we haven't been to in a long time and we keep trying to make it back. And it's honestly not an excuse, but I've, I work in retail. So yeah. You know, scheduling just blows. And what do you I, mean you don't want to work on the weekend where we yeah. make all our money? <laughs> yeah. So some, you know, we can get anybody to be here on Wednesday. So, uh, yeah. So Sundays, Sundays have been difficult. Mm-hmm. And but I am at a place where it is something that I want, and it's something that Jana wants. Mm-hmm. And we definitely talk about God. I mean, and we we wonder together, kind of like what's happening. We're dealing with some some big things mm-hmm. at the moment and I don't know it's 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 hard when you when you know when you when you're trying to determine what do I pray for what do I ask for you know because it's going to happen one way or the other regardless of this prayer mm-hmm. and regardless of how much of a sinner I am or am not mm-hmm. you know I'll hear pastors talk about well if you can just understand the cross or you can just understand faith from this perspective then then you will your faith will deepen mm-hmm. like if this then it will happen and I guess I'm more skeptical <laughs> because people approach faith so differently yeah. you know some people are are so resolute in their faith mm-hmm. But I'll see them make certain choices and think, well, how is that aligned with with God? Yeah. How does that align with kindness and love and peace? I don't see that aligning at all. Fruits of the angry spirit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yet, but yet they're resolute, you know, and nothing would sway them. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, I've been thinking, well, that's just that's just not me. 
Mm-hmm. It's just not if if I'm going to be someone who's weak in his faith mm-hmm. or be considered to be weak in his faith because of this or because of that, then then so be it. I think there's a tendency in the church that everybody wants everything to be wrapped up in a nice little bow, everything to have an answer, everything to make sense, the Bible to be perfect, <laughs> you know, all these things. And, and what that does is it kind of pins you into a corner that doesn't accommodate real life happening. You know, what about the guy that prayed for years to not be gay? but was gay anyway. Right. What about that guy? What about me when my mom got MS when I was nine months old and, you know, by no fault of her own and then died when I was a freshman in high school, you know, those prayers technically went unanswered. And then the answer of the church is, oh, you know, it was all part of God's like plan, blah, 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 whatever. You know what? That's bullshit. dude. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's kind of where I'm at with a lot of that stuff is I just feel like we want to just give some easy little tried answer. And like, you know what? Like we live in a fallen, fucked up world that sometimes shit happens. And that's just what happens. Yeah. And not everything has to have some silver, you know, fucking lining or like some rainbow at the end of the cloud or like what? You know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes we just go through shit and that's part of the human condition and suffering and and all this stuff is just stuff that is part of being a human. And it's just part of life. And the, the, the thought that we can somehow theologize or somehow make everything make sense by applying certain rules or like what, you know, it's like uh, faith by its very nature and love and all these things are these esoteric sort of supernatural things that are out there. Yeah. And I think where we make the mistake on both sides, people that say they don't believe anymore and people that do say they believe is we're trying to apply. We're still trying to put all this stuff into a box that it can never be put into. How do you explain the feelings you have for your wife? Really? Right. No, I know. How, yeah, you... how do you how do you explain that something happened and it made you feel a certain way and you felt spoke to by God or like whatever? Like you can't explain that shit and have it make sense. Like you just can't. Well, yeah. And I've just I've, I've had so many strange moments over the years, um, you know, growing up. As I mentioned, my mom was a conservative Christian. My dad was gay and, you know, um, had AIDS. And this was in the 80s. So it was like really a difficult, um, you know, there was a lot of misunderstanding. And, you know, so I saw that from the from the get go. You know, because mm-hmm. because my my dad, uh, his parents, uh, like I said, my grandfather was a pastor, and so he felt excluded by his family because of you know because of his his feelings, mm-hmm. and you know, and then on, but then on top of it, you know, to be to be sick and just a lot of uh, a lot of big stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you come to terms with that? I I watched my dad try to come to terms with his relationship with God towards the end, you know, and not because of whether he was a homosexual or wasn't homosexual, but just because my life is ending and mm-hmm. I'm trying to make... Are we good? Are we God. good? I'm trying to make, uh, <laughs> you know... Have I somehow done whatever it is I'm supposed to right. do to... Trying to make peace. So, yeah. you know, and then I've had other moments in my uh, adult life where, as, as I mentioned to you earlier, a couple of times I've been manic and, you know, you have these moments where everything is very dark and you're more face-to-face with, you know, the, quote, enemy, end quote, Mm-hmm. Then almost you real you know you realize I mean it's very dark it's very uh, you know I grew up in the church where everything was about you know demons and possession and uh, <gasps> you know the, he's lurking around every corner yeah. waiting to snatch you into the pit of hell <laughs> yeah whereas whereas I kind of have had these experiences as an adult and I more think no everything is right there in your face all the time mm-hmm. you know good bad and everything in between everything's battling out all the time all the everywhere. time all around you and. You think somehow you're separated from it, 
but you're not, but you may not think about it that way, you know, as it's happening, you more think like, oh, well, I'm a good person because I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that, you know? Like what Matt Johnson, the drummer from Blenderhead, I, he was on my show yeah. and, and we've kind of had some, he listens to a lot of episodes and we kind of like text back and forth, just some thoughts. And he knows I've been trying to struggle the last couple of years. I'm really trying to have these conversations and just kind of like make sense of my own faith where it is now in my life and everything like that. And I, f- I found like generally like, my struggles more with the church than anything else. I just have so much church baggage and church people and church language and the, all the secret languages and the secret. And because we all kind of came up in this stuff, it's kind of like a secret thing that we all share and, right. and sort of understand. And we have these very common experiences of growing up and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like a lot of us are kind of at that age where we're kind of trying to strip away a lot of the, the BS of it all yeah. and the, accoutrement of the church and all in you know and all this ritual and all these things and whatever and and kind of just trying to own our own personal spirituality and faith and and sort of how does that manifest itself in me loving my neighbor and loving my spouse right. and and trying to do good in my community and all those kinds of things and i think getting more to a simplistic thing or as matt would say it's all about the cross and redemption is what he <laughs> likes to say and everything else is you know we don't need all this other right stuff and at a time when it seems like the church as a whole is almost going hard right. Like, you know what I mean? I just like, uh, things are getting more fundamental as people are kind of hanging on to as the culture wars with all these stuff with like gay marriage and all these different yeah. kinds of things. It seems like everything is sort of being pushed. You're, you're sort of by whether you want to be or not, I want to just be in the middle and sort of meet everybody yeah. halfway. And it just seems like whether you want to or not, it's like, okay, well I'm definitely not going over here. So I, now I'm over here somehow. Right, right. Like I'm somehow the weird liberal guy that's questioning everything. And like, it's like, I've never been that guy, but because I don't want to be over here, it's telling everybody they're wrong and they're going to hell and you know, they're fucked and all this stuff. Like I'm just, now I'm over here. So it's like a weird place to be. It's like now you kind of have to reject both and say, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to just try to love people and make sense of it and do the best that I can. And I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Plus you have different, you know, you have generation, generational differences as well. And the impact of the times on who you are as a person. And I definitely feel that we live in a time where it's people are much more open. People are much more transparent. People, Mm -hmm. you know, their whole lives are on the internet for everybody to see. Yeah. Yeah. So, which, you know, of course is good and bad, but, um, I, I think that that plays into it. And, and I agree. I mean, one thing I've been thinking lately is, you know, I recognize the value of community. Mm-hmm. I recognize the value of it. And because that's where I think you see, hear, talk to God. You know, you, you're sharing these experiences with other people. Okay. You're hoping that they can identify with your triumphs, your difficulties, and vice versa. You're hoping for a safe place where you can do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. My church has been, uh, I, I have a couple friends that I text with and it's so crazy how I, I'm sure you do too. Everybody does. We have like these texting relationships. It's so odd. Yeah, it's weird. But I have two texting um, relationships where two guys and they, Jack is one of them. Mm-hmm. My friend Milder out in California, and you know I'll text back and forth with them, and we'll just you know with Milder, my friend Milder especially, we just sort of you know talk about either talk about like fitness or. <laughs> Or like deep struggles, you know what I mean? And and to me, that is valuable because in that way, I can hear God. Mm -hmm. I can start to remind myself, okay, God is not the taskmaster that I I keep thinking he is. He he is this voice that doesn't judge, Mm -hmm. wants to understand, 
and wants to have a relationship. That concept to me is so hard to, yeah. you know. Everybody wants to focus on the angry God whose bloodlust must be satiated right? <laughs> instead of the God that literally came to earth and became a person and then suffered this horrible death because he wanted to be in a relationship with us. Right. And it's so easy to get focused on all the wrong things and the negative things and the, you know, all this stuff and not see the beauty and the poetry of that story. You know? Yeah. And I, I think simplicity is better. You know, it's like the more we just focus on the simplicity of that and just try to, I can't even drive my hour commute without wanting to murder somebody. So I, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, clearly we need to just focus on the basics and not try to tackle predestination and all these other crazy, uh, like, you know, yeah. theological things that clearly no one through time has ever agreed with going all the way back to Martin Luther saying, I don't agree with this and I'm going to put my stuff up. And like, you know, we're never going to reconcile that stuff, but can we all just agree to love and accept each other? Right. And do you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, because there's a lot of, you know, with someone who's, uh, you know, theologian or, you know, very intellectual in their faith, there's, in my experience, there's there's a there's an air of arrogance yeah. there that... You just don't know or you haven't read the right book or you haven't... Yeah, it's, and it's very off-putting Yeah, because, again, that's not the everyday. Any church you go into, mm-hmm. you're going to see the same sins same people doing the same stupid shit. Of course. You know what I mean? But the do- the only thing different is the doctrine. Yeah. But still people, you know, helping and hurting other people mm-hmm. and needing help at certain times. And obviously it's easier said than done. Sure. Because anytime you try to take an idea and... Franchise it. Right. <laughs> then you start realizing like, oh, I can't get around the fact that I we need to set this rule yeah you know some boundaries for people right. that don't know what a boundary is yeah <laughs> so it's i don't know I've, I've had some good experiences over the years so we we uh jan and i went to this church when i first moved to new york um and it was sort of like a grassroots that's the right use of this word okay this time i think <laughs> uh it was a it's a grassroots uh church it was just you know the congregation was like i don't know 20 of us mm-hmm. and we would meet at different very small locations in the city. But Jan and I would go there and, you know, it was sometimes a little, you know, too, too emotional for me at moments Mm -hmm. and that's okay. You know, but the level of care that everyone shared for one another, Mm -hmm. that was what, that's what stuck out to me. Yeah. And that's what made an impact on me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People in community loving each other and creating safe places where I think that people cannot feel judged and feel like they can really air out their, serious doubts and questions and whatever because in absence of that what we have is people just saying well fuck that yeah (laughs) right yeah not for me uh you know or whatever like we gotta you know we have to create these places where people can come and 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 work this stuff out and not feel like you know there's some kind of pariah or something yeah and you see and you see you know i know you've seen it i've seen it you get older and you see the path that different people take and whether they keep that faith or they you know mm-hmm. set it aside or set it aside altogether yeah uh i don't know to me that that is a indicator that this is not that there's a problem but that that there are real needs i guess mm-hmm. within people that are that are in some ways not being maybe not being met yeah you know yeah what i want from the church is real talk 
I like it the best when the pastor gets up there and says something about how he yelled at a flight attendant and he's a <laughs> shitty Christian or whatever. I'm like, yeah. those are the times that I'm most encouraged. I don't need him to tell me like, here's the, you know, the way to holiness or like whatever. Right. I just want to know, do you struggle with the same shit that I, I struggle that's with? That's true. Right. I think people want to have that feeling of, um, you know, yeah. to have that empathy and have the feeling that, you know, you can, someone can understand like that. I, that you deal with the same stuff and then, how would Jesus handle this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> WWJD. It's so true. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for doing the show today. It has been my pleasure. I mean, I feel like we could just keep going, but you know, you have to say when at some point. And thank you for helping me and my friends get signed to Tooth and O Records. <laughs> I don't think you should be thanking me for that. Joel Bell, everybody. I love getting to spend time on this show catching up with old friends. Thanks, Joel, for sharing your story with us, and thank you for all the laughs. The music clips on today's show included Goaty Hook's cover of True Faith by New Order from the album Songs We Didn't Write, Love by the Numbers from Banana Man, Two Years to Never from the album of the same name, the live version of Chevy Nova from the album Rest in Peace, all on Tooth and Nail Records, and finally, Robert Paulson from the Six Songs EP on Velvet Blue Music. The Urban Achiever theme song was written and performed by Ethan Luck and Dan Spencer. As always, you can follow Urban Achiever on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Urban Achiever PC. You can email me anytime at billy at urbanachievershow.com. And the show is uh, 100% listener-supported. If you enjoy the program and want to give something back, please go to patreon.com slash urbanachiever and give a buck a month or whatever you want. You can also purchase show t-shirts and coffee mugs at urbanachiever.gobigwin.com. Happy birthday, America, and please behave yourself. And until next time, keep up the good work. I'm proud of you.
just you know everything I think organic is yeah. usually the word they organic. use for that. Yeah. And really, I don't know what that no, that's good. That's I organic's know. good. I don't know. I'll just throw out some words. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> that's totally that's, that's good. Felt natural. Felt just yeah. <laughs>